Welcome to HRI's Next in Health podcast. I'm Jenny Colapitro, PwC's Vice Chair for Health Industries, working across pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers, and providers. And I'm Igor Belakronitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I'm fortunate enough to help leading health organizations develop and implement winning strategies and operating models. Jennifer and I are here today with Dr. Ruzbeh Marian, who is a practicing surgeon and a director here at Strategy End. He works on large-scale health system enterprise transformations and M&A. Welcome, Ruzbeh. Thanks for having me. Ruzbeh, we're excited to have you today to talk about big deals in healthcare. There's certainly a long history of large health systems coming together to become even larger. And it's sort of a mixed history because the impact on quality and price and health equity of these large deals has varied. And so in the future, we certainly expect a lot more large deals. And we also expect a lot of these deals to be questioned and see some pushback against those deals exactly with those questions around what's the impact of the deal going to be on the quality and price and health equity in the communities where those deals happen. And so we're hoping that through your experience, you can take us behind the scenes as these conversations happen around the country in various boardrooms where this question of should we do a deal and what kind of deal should we do and how should we do it, these kinds of questions get raised. And so perhaps you could give us some insights into how do these conversations come about? How does the health organization begin a conversation around doing a deal? Sure, Igor. And let me preface this by saying that not all hospital deals are created equal. Here we shall focus on health system consolidation, where two systems merge to create a larger care delivery network, where the partner is more than 30% of acquired size. The main motive behind these consolidations is accelerated growth through geographic expansion and realization of economies of scale, both on pair contracting as well as the cost front for long-term sustainability. As you mentioned, these are big deals by nature with much at stake and substantially higher risk profile. Regarding the origination question that you asked, commonly these deals form as a result of C-suite to C-suite communication. These initial conversations are then followed by extensive board discussions to contemplate the merits and potential pitfalls of the proposal. As with most M&A deals, these conversations then evolve over time, first focusing on the deal structure and later on post-deal integration planning and stakeholder management. Very interesting. You mentioned stakeholders and these arrangements and transactions and deals end up having a lot of interested parties, a lot of stakeholders. So can you talk a little bit about who some of those stakeholders are and what are their concerns in those deals? Absolutely. There are a few categories of stakeholders, both internal and external. Internal stakeholders include those with a fiduciary duty who generally focus on the financial aspects of the deal, not just whether the price is right, but a push for robust analysis and financial planning to prognosticate post-deal gains and losses. Then come the operational teams, and these are the folks who are affected the most by the merger and have to do the heavy lifting of making the integration work throughout the system. On the clinical side, the board discussions are led by CMOs and CNOs and clinical administrators. They usually revolve around provider needs and workforce optimization in the future state. You can imagine the complexities here from high-level geographic footprint considerations for care rationalization to deeper planning for each service line down to the departmental staffing needs. In our work supporting clients with mergers, 
this is the piece that actually takes the most time and effort to reach consensus with the operators and alignment with health system leadership. On the non-clinical operation side, these stakeholders' focus is mostly on integration of the back office functions and support services of the hospital. The biggest pain points here are usually the EHR and ERP systems, at times putting the entire deal in jeopardy due to incompatibility of legacy systems and outdated processes. On a positive note, though, large-scale mergers can be an excellent opportunity to accelerate technology enablement, not just in the IT realm, but also the bread and butter functions like supply chain management. This brings us to your question about what needs to be spoken about more, and this is the concept of transformative M&A. That is leveraging the deal to catalyze systemic change to not only ensure success of the integration, but also invest in performance improvement and long-term viability of the health system. Very different than combinatorial M&As. In transformative M&A, one plus one actually could equal three. Uzbe, that's very interesting. I think you've mentioned the many reasons to do mergers and other deals. But if we dig a little deeper, are there also objections that you hear before, during, or after the deals from constituents who were not considered represented? Can you talk more from the clinician's angle? Like what would the clinicians on the board of directors have to say about prospective mergers? As mentioned earlier, clinicians carry a heavy burden when it comes to health system mergers. At times lean to the sentiment that their voice is not really reflected nor prioritized during the process. This is a critical issue, especially given the already tenuous conditions of the healthcare workforce and shortages exacerbated by the pandemic burnout and the great resignation. In our experience, clinician concern come in two main flavors. First, concerns around future state care models that directly affect their clinical practice. And second, are issues around culture. For the most part, care models can be redesigned in a bottom-up fashion to adequately support clinicians in their pursuit to provide excellent medical care. Cultural conflicts, on the other hand, can be a real deal breaker. And there are quite a few mergers that ultimately fall apart, mostly due to the culture factor alone. Ruzbe, it's been really helpful as you've sort of taken us around the boardroom and talked about different people represented there and their concerns from finance perspective or IT perspective or clinical perspective. Another very important stakeholder here that may or may not be represented in the boardroom is the community that this health organization serves. What are their concerns and how do they get picked up in this merger discussion? Great question. And this is where, as a physician, I believe patient and community health advocacy needs to be top of mind in any health system merger. Thankfully, solving for these needs of these external stakeholders has become much more pronounced in boardrooms in recent years, which is fantastic to see. There are several considerations. One is the notion that health system consolidation, especially in overlapping geographies, may inevitably lead to higher prices for consumers. And there is a good body of literature to support that that is indeed a possibility. Unsurprisingly, mergers that hint at the possibility almost always trigger an FTC regulatory challenge in the US. On the flip side, a merger can serve as an important enabler to rally around community impact and introduce innovative initiatives to address social determinants of health and population health challenges, as well as designing value-based and risk-bearing care models. This brings us to perhaps the most controversial aspect of health system consolidation, which is quality. The prevailing sentiment is that most hospital mergers do not result in improved quality of care as measured by performance metrics or patient experience scores. This is yet another impetus for our clients to embrace the transformative M&A model as a means to channel the deal energy, or better put, the upheaval pursuant to the merger to elevate clinical quality measures. 
You mentioned the discussion in the boardroom. What do you think we don't hear in the boardroom, but should? What are some of the topics that don't get enough consideration? So generally speaking, much of the major discussions revolve around financial implications and to some extent, regulatory risk management. As practical as that is, the more prudent approach would dedicate equal time and resources towards understanding the opportunities that the merger presents in order to accelerate long-term system strategy. This can come in form of investment proposals in clinical quality improvement, pop health initiatives, operational technology refresh, and data analytics capabilities, among others. Secondly, the most important factor for successful M&A applies to health system measures as well, and that is thoughtful deployment of an integration management office with early exposure and input during the planning phase and, of course, overseeing the implementation phase from start to finish. Cultural diligence and change management is absolutely critical here, as is clear communication around the transformative nature of the merger with the greater stakeholder. When it comes to integration, our experience also shows that active involvement of the CFOs and the COOs is key to ensure successful integration and ultimate value capture. As you could imagine, none of the identified synergies and painstaking bottom-up planning and proposed innovative initiatives matter if the ball is dropped before crossing the finish line. Finally, it's important to note that merging health systems could often also benefit from additional bolt-on and token acquisitions and strategic partnerships to develop critical capabilities missing in the current state for added community impact. Not only would post-merger entity better serve constituents and the health system stakeholders, these deals are actually viewed more favorably by regulatory agencies who show increasing interest in proposed mergers' community impact and system-wide sustainability. The key here is to show that the community impact is only achievable through the synergies and investments catalyzed by the merger and not by any individual system without the deal. Bruce Bay, that is super, super fascinating. And we really appreciate you taking us behind the scenes and sharing with us the conversations that happen and the conversations that should happen and showing us both the complexity of getting these deals right, as well as giving us an optimistic outlook that it is actually possible to manage all of these complexities and arrive at a successful arrangement. And so we look forward to seeing some more great deals happening in the future. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please visit our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.